Our church down in Orlando just probably finished their service. Uh, we're going through family month. Um, the family, I think, is the most important thing that God ever uh, designed. The family has been under attack for decades. Pray for our families. Uh, be faithful to God, but be faithful to your family. Um, that verse of uh, Romans 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 33, talks about we're not as smart as God. If you read a little bit further, it says, who has been the counselor of God? But there's many, many times in my life and perhaps your life where you said, hey, God, why is this happening? And sometimes he'll let us know, but many times he does not let us know. Sometimes by faith, we just have to be obedient to him, what's going on in our life, believing that he is taking that and manipulating it to his honor and to his glory. But that's hard when you're going through the things you're going through in your life. And if you've lived any time at all, you know you've gone through some difficulties in this world. The Bible says in Job that man is born unto trouble. We live in a broken, sin-sick world. Uh, even we that live in America, the things that we bemoan, I think about people in other countries of the world. I look at Christians as they suffered in the scripture. There are people who still suffer the same way today in other countries of the world. We have lived in this microcosm of America. We are so blessed, but we are going to be held so accountable to God for all the good things he's put into our hands. I met a brother this week in the conference. He had a, a, a pastor from India with him. And uh, they're talking about in the Northeast region. They were sharing with me in that Northeast region of India uh, how, how just about every church, if not every church, they said, has been burned to the ground. Christian churches. Every home of the Christians, professing Christians, has been burned to the ground. That is incredible. What do I have to complain about here in America? I mean, the government, they, they're going to they're gonna deny me a permit to try to build a building to do the work of God, and I bemoan that. We have so little to bemoan. We are so blessed. Oh, the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Uh, in, in, in chapter 9 here, we see a man, the story of a man who was a persecutor of people like you and me. We know him as the Apostle Paul. Here he's called Saul of Tarsus. God's ways are past finding out. I wouldn't have picked a guy like this. Now you and I, we know the end of the story. And we go, oh, God's so smart, is he not? But there's a lot of Saul of Tarsuses in our world today who are deniers and persecutors of the things of God. And God is calling them out to serve him just like he did, Saul of Tarshish. In the Bible, uh, God's ways are past finding out. If you look in the genealogy of the Bible, you see people like Tamar. You see people in the line of Christ. I mean, the actual line of people that brought Christ into this world that he could suffer and die for our sins. He used people like Tamar and Rahab and Bathsheba. All immoral people. If I was God, I never chose them. But God didn't sit down with me and counsel with me and how he was going to do it. I think about people like Ruth, a Moabitess, wasn't even a Jewish person. I think about David. And some of you say, well, David was a great man. Well, then you don't know the whole story. He was the least in his family. I find so many Christians who disqualify themselves because they feel inadequate. If that's how you feel, you don't understand the word of God. 
Because the Bible declares in 1 Corinthians that that's the kind of people that God chooses. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 26, he says, For you see your calling, brethren, how not many wise men after the flesh, and not many mighty, not many noble are called. And God has a reason for that. Now, I, I tell you what, you have some really sharp people on staff here. And you have some people that aren't so sharp here, you know? I'm just kidding. You know what? This, I, I, after that conference, I was like, I mean, Friday night, I wanted to stand up and shout with the singing. I, I was just so encouraging. Um, but uh, I, when, I, when I showed up for church this morning, I think 10 people came to me and said, how was your golf game yesterday? I thought I was going to be greeted by all these spiritual accolades. And, and they just want to know if the Florida boy lost to the Michigander. Oh, I'm not Michigan. I'm from Illinois. You guys are from Illinois, right? You guys don't like me calling Michiganders, do you? That's why I said that this morning. Because I'm as carnal as you all are. God chooses whoever he wants. Sometimes he pulls out, plucks out an Isaiah her serves under uh, a many a king, a very godly heritage. But most of the time, he doesn't. I, I, I would never believe that I would ever stand in a place like this. I was just a little kid, a little junior high boy in, uh, in Orlando, Florida, trying to figure out if, I, if, if evolution was right or if creation was right. I tell my church all the time, my testimony, the, the war, that battle and rage within my soul and my mind. Didn't know that Satan was trying to pull me away from the things of God. I would never dream that I could do this. And God, he can, I appreciate Brother Adams this morning talking about Moses. He can equip and use anybody he chooses for. And sometimes he explains why he does it. And sometimes he doesn't explain it. God says, I don't choose many mighty, many noble, many wise in the flesh. Because when it's all over, when it's all said and done, God gets the glory with the people he uses. Sometimes he explains why he does what he does, but I think most of the time he doesn't explain it. And I think that's where the walk of faith comes in our lives. The tribulation, the turmoil that we go through. God, I love the Bible, the Bible. The Bible never tries, like man's wisdom, the Bible never tries to conceal the failures of the people God uses. It doesn't matter if it's a king, doesn't matter if it's a prophet, a patriarch, it doesn't matter if it's a bunch of people in a genealogy that leads to the birth of Christ. He never tries to hide it because that's the kind of people he uses. You look at the biographies or the autobiographies of the, uh, the presence that we've had in America. When they get done with those, you think those guys never made a mistake. You think they all were God-fearing men. But that's not the way it is in the Bible. God does, he reveals those things. He shows those things. I love that, that phrase in Corinthians there. It says, not many wise in the flesh or after the flesh. There's a big difference between those who are wise after the flesh and those who are wise in the power of God Almighty. You know, those guys in the Northeast, those Ivy League schools, many of them started out out of schools of, uh, to prepare men to be pastors, to win people to Christ. I remember when I was, uh, I hurt my shoulder, I went to orthopedic surgeon there in Orlando, Florida. 
began to talk to him, began to witness to him. He said, I said, where'd you go to school? He said, I went to Harvard. He goes real quick. He said, I finished number two in my class. I go, wow. Wow. He's a good looking guy too, man. Good looking, smart, rich. I'm telling you. I said, did you know your university was founded to train pastors to go and share the gospel? He looked at me like I had three heads. He didn't even know what he was wise after the flesh. I'm telling like the apostle Paul, the first part in chapter nine and verse one, we read about Saul of Tarsus and Saul yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord went unto the high priest. This amazes me. This is not happening in America, but it's happening in India. It's happening in North Korea. It's happening in Russia. It's happening in China. When those people read this scripture, they go, yes, we understand that. We don't understand that. We are so blessed. That's why we should give. We should give to help our brethren around the world. He goes on and desired of him letters to Damascus. Damascus was uh, north of Galilee. To Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, followers of Jesus Christ, just like me and you, We find any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. I have never understood why people have hated Christ so much in my life. Christians I know pay their taxes. The Christians I know are kind and helpful to people. The Christians, but there's something, there's something demonic, there's something spiritual in this world. I believe it's the same thing why the world has tried to annihilate annihilate the Jewish culture because God, because Satan, I believe knows it's the Jewish people that God chose to bring salvation to this world. Satan knows that it's the Christian church, the real Christian church, the one that's separated, the one that tries to live holy lives, that is trying to share the gospel and be a difference in the world. He's still working today like he did back then. The apostle part, the first part of his life, Saul's life, was absolutely contrary to God. But if we brought him up on stage this morning, he would be applauded by most of the world. He was a man of great learning. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was one of the great five leaders of the Jewish religion in the history of mankind. He was called the beauty of the law in the Talmud of the Jewish people. It said that when the glory of the law ceased, was when Gamaliel died. He was, he, was, he was something else. Paul, or the Saul of Tarsus, was trained by him. He was a Jew of Jews. The world would look at him and say, he is the man. He had the position, he had the power, he was probably going to have all the wealth that was going to go with it. But when Paul trusted Christ, he said, I count all of it as dung. It's a waste. And the problem is, even after we trust Christ as our Savior, we begin to look at the world. I've done it before. I'll, I'll go on visitation. I'll go driving through a neighborhood, visiting someone that's visited our church. And I'll look at these beautiful homes. And I'll say, look at all those homes. Wow. I could own one of those homes. I mean, right now, I could quit pastoring. I could go start a business with a bunch of good men I have. I could bring in lots of money. And I could give my family anything and everything they wanted. And then God rebukes me in my heart. 
So I still live in this sinful flesh. I know you guys are much more spiritual than I am. You would never attest to anything like that. But that flesh of mine still, at this point in my life, tries to drop those thoughts into my mind. My heart tries to deceive me and lie to me. it's, It's amazing. The first part of his life was absolutely a waste, all that he accomplished. There's been so many people that have wasted their lives following after the things in the flesh, the wisdom of the flesh, everything in the flesh, all the things that we have. I remind our church, all the facilities we have are just tools to reach people for Christ. They're not things to revel in and say, look what we did. No, they're just tools is all they are. I think about people like George Harrison. George Harrison was a, he was the lead guitarist for the Beatles. How many know who he is? How come you know who he is? Okay. I remember he, when he died, uh, he died 20 some years ago. I remember I, I read the article about him and he, uh, he had cancer. He died at 58 years of age. Not an old man at all. But he had, he had so much fame, so much wealth. was worth tens of millions of dollars. But at the end of his life, he went to all the, I think it was in Switzerland, he went to all the medical, the best medical people in the world to try to get healed of his cancer. And when he couldn't be healed, he went to the Ganges River in India. If you don't think about George Harrison, he was a big Hindu kind of guy. He followed the Hindu religion. You know the one, the one with the caste system, where if you're born in the lower caste system, you deserve to be there. And you deserve not to be helped. That, that India. That Hinduism. I love to see, I love to ask those, uh, those Hindu teachers, explain me the caste system, how that works. And you know, the one with the three million gods. You know, they have a, a chief deity for each of their cities. One city, one of, one of my pastor friends sh- shared with me, they had the, the city of, their chief deity was lust. Where uh, uh, families would take their young daughters to the temple to be temple prostitutes. That Hinduism. So he went to the Ganges River to have his sins washed away. Came back to America and died and spent an eternity today in hell. Well, pastor, you know, maybe he never heard. Maybe he didn't have like someone like Brother Scudder to explain the gospel to him. I doubt it. The Bible says in John 1 that that Jesus lighteth every man that cometh in the world. There's a false premise out there. Everybody is called to come to God. God says he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We know the heavens declare the glory of God. Here we see the apostle Paul called. I think about some people say, well, with George Harrison, you know, I was a kid growing up. That clock's going awful fast. Is there something wrong with your clock back there? Um, <laughs> When I was a kid growing up, my dad was a pastor over in O'Galley, Florida. I remember, and the little boys loved things, but they had a big bonfire at our church. They go, this is awesome. I didn't know what it was until 20 years later. I found an article out of a paper in my dad's office, and we were having a bonfire at the church. There were police out front. There were arresting hippies. It was, I had no idea what was going on at the time, but we were burning Beatle records. How many old enough remember when the, when the Beatles said that we're more popular than Jesus Christ. Yeah, you remember that? We were just burning their records, amen, and saying, no, you're not. See, George Harrison knew about Jesus Christ. He turned away his free salvation is what he did. 
We are all called. I don't care who you are, the lowest. It's, he would, I, I, I would have categorized him as a noble. God doesn't choose the things that the world would choose. He chooses people like you and me. I'm telling you, the things that happen in this place can't happen without everybody. Everybody has a role to play. Somewhere between verse 1 and verse 20 of chapter 9, if you want to go back and read it, Saul of Tarsus believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But there's a lot of people that, for some reason, they go through a great resistance before they come to the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of work put into those people. I'm sure you have those people in our church. I have those people back at my church. I have a bunch of young men in their 20s that we work with and we meet with. And, oh, man, I want to give up on some of them. They wear me out. But I know if they get a hold of God, they're going to take that same energy and they're going to wear the devil out. That's what I know. Everybody wants the one, the easy ones. There are people like Saul of Tarsus who are persecutors of the church. When they come to faith, man, they work just as hard for the things of God. God's ways are past finding out. I think sometimes we just want it to be easier than it is. We don't want to do the work. Do you remember the day that you called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? You say there's people watching here online or TV today. Do you know the day that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? That was important to me. I can drive by our old campus We moved about 16 years ago, but I can drive down Colonial Drive in Orlando, Florida, and I can look to the left, and there's a field out by the old church, and there was the place that I prayed with all my heart and asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. Do you have that time in your life? I pray you have that time in my life until I had that time in my life. See, I went to church, and I had all this Bible knowledge, but I never was certain that by faith I had asked Jesus Christ to be my Savior. The day I did that, man, there was an incredible peace in my life. Satan no longer could uh, mess with me and make me doubt my salvation. If you're doubting your salvation this morning, I'm telling you, you almost are worthless for Christ. I pray you'd settle that today. Look at, look as we read on a little bit in the verses. It says, uh, in verse five, it said, he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest, is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. I'm telling you, the day we trust in Christ, God has something for us to do. I always say he has something for us to do, and there's a way he wants us to do it. I believe there's a lot of pastors today trying to do the work of God in the flesh and not in the spirit and the power of almighty God. They bring carnality into the church to draw people and their people never attain the place that God desires in their lives. I appreciate your church, but most churches that have gone the way of the flesh start out like your church and start out like my church. And then we began to try to do the work of God some other way. And then said the way he says to do it in this book right here. I believe people are just lazy. I believe they don't want to knock on doors anymore. I don't believe they want to talk one-on-one with people. I don't believe they want to disciple people. Let's make church a big party. Do you know, do you remember the day that you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ? 
Do you remember the days that he's tugged at your heart to do something for him? You know, we never say no. We never say no. We just say not now. As soon as I get this order, as soon as I get this fixed, then I'm going to do that, God. And that day never comes. And opportunities to serve God and change people's lives are missed. I believe many times it's the dearest things in our lives that keep us from serving God. I always wonder why the Bible says, in comparison, our love for our mother and father ought to pale in our love for God. It almost ought to seem like hate. Never understood that, but I understand that. All the good things that we have are because of God. Every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father, the Bible says. All the good things I have are because of God. Why would I put those things above God? But people do. And they become hindrance to serving God. I have a wonderful doctor in Orlando, Florida. I've been with him since I was 19 years old. His name's Gideon Lewis. He's from India. And uh, I I remember in the Cayman Islands, there's a a medical school over there. And he'd bring in these interns. And uh, every six months, I'd go to my doctor. And he would let me go in there for 15 minutes and talk to these interns about the Lord Jesus Christ before he came in. I've talked to atheists, I've talked to Catholics, talked to Muslims. I remember one young lady who was a Muslim girl, she began to tell me how uh, the Bible was wrong and, and the Koran came along because there were so many mistakes in the Bible, blah, blah, blah. It's a very powerful uh, explanation. I just asked her the question, who told you that? She was, it's amazing what people buy into without any evidence. He said her last day as an intern, he came to her and he said, he, she said, I see a Bible on your desk there. She said, can I have that Bible? I'd like to believe that she knows Christ is her savior. I don't know that. But there's a lot of things that keep us and hinder us from doing what God has called us to do. Sometimes it's fear. If you look at the scripture here, the Bible says over and over again that Paul, when he came to people, he came with fear and trembling. I came with fear and trembling to you this morning. I'm not worried what you about you think about me, but I'm worried that whatever God has for you today, I may get in the way and you don't hear it. That's what I worry about when I preach anymore. Paul had physical persecution, just like our brothers and sisters in other places of the world right now. I believe I'm going to have a great accountability one day to God because of the ease and the opportunities I've had and I don't want to miss those any opportunities anymore. I want to find every Christian, every church, every pastor that I can encourage, that I can help to do the work of God. Look, look real quick here. We'll close with this. Look in verse 13 and 14. God calls a fella to meet this persecutor of Christians. Now, it's hard to put yourself in this place right here. But I bet the folks in India could do this right now. I bet Christians in North Korea would just get a hold of this scripture right now. It says... And Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he had done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chiefs, chief priests, to bind all that call upon thy name. God says, hey, Ananias, I want you to, I'm going to send you Saul of Tarshish. And here's what I want you to do with him. And Ananias says, whoa. Whoa, God, don't you understand who this is? He says, you want, you want me to do this? 
You want me to deal with a guy who binds and has people put to death and put in prison? I mean, everybody else is, is nowhere to be found. See, in the work of God, there's going to be a lot of fear and trembling. And it's going to take a lot of faith to overcome the fear and trembling. I remember the first time I ever witnessed to someone. I remember the first time where I went to the gasoline station and wanted to give that guy a track and got back in my car ashamed because I was afraid to give him a track. I remember those days, but if you be faithful and I'll be faithful as God has called us to do what we're supposed to do, he will, he will equip us, he will give us boldness, and he will change people's lives. The people that God uses are not wise, they're not mighty, they're not noble. He chooses the foolish, chooses the foolish things of the world. He chooses the base things of the world. He, cho- he chooses the things of the world that nobody in the world cares about to prove that he did it. You know what I mean? I appreciate you, the, the guy in your college here, the vice president. Come on. A boss kid. Come on. Is he living proof? I know so many pastors that no one would have given a second thought two years ago decades ago, and they have some of the greatest churches in America today. Nobody's from broken homes. This is God's word. See, this message is not about Saul of Tarsus or Apostle Paul. It's about Stephen, who Saul helped kill. It's about Ananias, okay, who God says, I want you to meet this guy, and I want you to work with this guy. It's about, it's You know how many people in in Paul's ministry that God used to bring alongside him, to help him and encourage him to get the gospel out? We look at all the great figures of the Bible. And by the way, Paul's a great figure today. Back then, he wasn't a great figure. He suffered much for the cause of Christ. Paul, the apostle Paul, close with this. He, he's the guy who worried about after he preached to everybody else, after he preached to everybody else, he worried about being a castaway. I'm telling you, man, we just got to learn this Bible. We need to learn to trust this Bible. The gospel is so powerful. The gospel will forgive people of their sins. The gospel, what's this? Will stop venereal disease in America. The gospel will stop drug addiction in America. The gospel will change our government where they love their people instead of using their people. The gospel fixes everything.